Welcome to Concerning Therapists, Mental Health Through the Looking Glass, a podcast largely concerned with psychotherapists from which a listener may discover much of their character, journey, and a little of their history. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the speaker and do not reflect those of any employer, affiliation, group, or other individual. Additionally, this podcast is not mental health treatment, nor should it replace mental health treatment. If you need psychotherapy, please seek treatment from a trained professional. Welcome to Concerning Therapists. I'm CJ. Who do we have with us today, Erica? Today we have Amanda Anderson. She's a marriage and family therapist, and she is here to talk to us about geek therapy. Hi, Amanda. Hi. I am Amanda. (laughs) So we're really excited to hear about this concept of geek therapy. Can you kind of explain what geek therapy is slash means? Yeah, so it's a very broad um, topic that is just basically what defines geek culture. In most cases, it's comic books, it's video games, it's D&D, it's Oh, and that would be Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it is nerdum culture through maybe even anime. Um, and so it's the taking of all of this that we call nerd geek culture, and it's combining it into the therapeutic realm. So um, it's how are you incorporating comic books into your therapy movie with children? Or how are you talking about video games, which we know a lot of adolescents, um, that tweeny area, and young adults are doing in order to potentially escape from the issues that they're dealing with? And then how do you talk about that escapism? How do you talk about video games in general and um, the avatars that consist of those video games into the real world of, you know, what similarities do you have with that avatar? What differences do you have with that avatar? Are you able to take things that you really like about that avatar that are feel so different from your own personality and inject it into the real world? Um, and so it's, it's uh, looking at how you incorporate these different medium into the realm of therapy in order to help your client um, process one through a through medium that they are very aware of and that they feel personally connected to and making therapy feel more meaningful and tailored to them. Sure. So it sounds like a specific way to kind of meet somebody where they're at with their need, their like interests and like their needs, right? Using their what their strengths are, what they consider their strengths to help meet them where they are and grow. That sounds like it could be really broad. Like there's it's so much in that that could be covered. It, oh, by all means, yes. And in fact, one of the ways that a lot of people um, narrow that is they combine it and integrate it with whatever theory they're already um, very familiar with and comfortable using per their own beliefs. 
So um, there's a very famous author, Anthony Bean, uh, Dr. Anthony Bean, um, who looked at video games through the Jungian perspective. And so he looks at avatars and how they meet and match the different um, arch archetypes. There we go, that's word. Archetypes. <laughs> and um, so like what I do is I am, I tend to have an integrative approach anyways um, with therapy, but like my main go-to is narrative family therapy. And so I interject um, geek therapy into that in order to help make each individual story feel more alive. And because of, you know, the, the perspective of having this, um, everybody's life is their own kind of book that narrative therapy is kind of based off of, that whole literature, that whole philosophy, um, all of that is kind of expanded upon when you're looking at actual mediums that are represented in story form, like comics, like uh, video games, like D&D, all of that is already in a story form. So it makes that transition so much easier. So how does it work for you in terms of the client coming in? Do you tend to utilize the cultural elements, like if they're very comic book focused or D&D &D, and then add the narrative to it? Or do you start with, uh, I, I particularly like narrative and using D&D &D as an example. And then like, how does, how do you decide on those sorts of things? Yeah, so usually when um, I'm introducing myself to clients, I will say as part of my introduction that I am a geek slash nerd and that they can clearly see that by the Pokemon huge doll thing that's in my office or the D20 dice pillow that's in my office. I have a Yoshi doll. Like all of those different things are meant to also be comfort items. So like if they're nervous, they can fidget with it. Or if they need to like cuddle something, they have that ability to do so as well. Um, mm. But like everything is pretty geek centric. Like when you walk into my office, you can tell she's a nerd. <laughs> and um, uh, so I always kind of start with that. And usually from there, I hear, oh yeah, I'm really into video games. Um, or I like this comic book series, are you aware of this anime? And um, so just by me saying, hey, this is what I am, I automatically get the feedback of, oh, I'm this too, but in this way. And um, so then I already know, okay, so what am I kind of familiar with? So I'm not necessarily going to go out of my comfort zone. If I don't know an anime, then I'm not going to specifically interject that in other than that maybe I might say well what about that anime are you really drawn to what are some of the elements of it that come across as very strong uh, for you so um, it's in that way that I would combine stuff I'm not super familiar with and I might even ask the client hey you know I've heard of this anime but not this one could you tell me a little bit about how is it different um, how, what its similarities are there. And then the video games I'm quite more aware of. So I will go into a lot more depth with people about what their favorite video games are. Um, 
And so I'm like, oh, do you enjoy platformers, first person shooters? Like, what what is your goal? Are we into fantasy? (laughs) So I go into like all these different breakdowns and I ask them, you know, like what their top five games are or whatever. And then I can kind of tailor from there. Okay, so if we're having struggles and difficulties with, let's say, I'm dealing with a teenager and they are struggling with peers and how to form relationship with them and their character is uh in one of the video games that they like is actually very kind of rambunctious and outgoing and exuberant well clearly you're drawn to that so what are elements that you're seeing in your character that avatar that you are drawn to and then how do we get you to do some of those things um, likewise with D and D, if the, one of the char- one of the characters in D and D is a bard, and bards are known, well, bards are known for a couple things: <laughs> being rambunctious and rowdy, and um, being very external is definitely part of it. They're also known as funny, but that's an aside. Um, <laughs> so you are trying to teach. Uh, them, okay, so what is it about the bard that makes them so easygoing when they're in a large situation? What areas could you take from that and incorporate it at school? I mean, part of it is a confidence. Okay, so we have to boost your confidence. So how how do we boost that confidence? And so one way in which you can kind of look at that is, um, and this is part of the externalization of narrative family therapy, is so low self-esteem is now your enemy. What characteristics does that enemy have? How do you combat it? And and so now it's already taken outside of them and it feels less personal. And that's kind of the whole point of narrative family therapy is so long as it's a personality trait, you're never going to overcome it. But as soon as you externalize it and see it as something you have control over, then you're able to combat it slash overcome that particular issue. So when you automatically turn it into this other character, you're doing that externalization and you're getting them to think about that as an actual being and like a a representation that um, they now have the ability to conquer. And that becomes so much more meaningful for them. Yeah, it sounds like it would also be potentially compatible with something like internal family systems, where you have to kind of visualize different parts of the whole instead of a, you know, just as one unifying thing. Because most of the things you're describing at least sound like team or group or, you know, so there's those pieces that seem like it might be compatible with integrating with other therapies as well as narrative. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah. In fact, I've heard of um, collaborative family therapists using what I, I did a presentation in 2019 at the Wisconsin Association for Marriage and Family Therapy fall conference. And um, I had in the Q&A part, several collaborative therapists say, oh my God, this is so great. This totally fits into our theory. And I was like, okay, great, run with it. Because that's like the whole purpose of geek therapy is how do you incorporate it, you know, with 
the theory that you most resonate with. If you're new to this uh, idea and you start to get excited about it, you've got your theories in place. Is this something that you would recommend? Okay, jump in and try it. Play, ha, more maybe, how did you start? How did this happen for you? Um, so I had it happen for me in the respect of I was talking to another therapist who I had who used to be on our uh, board for WAMFT, and she goes, "You know what? You and I." are really nerdy and I didn't realize that about you. I was like, I am. I'm glad you noticed. Thank you. And um, she said, I think you'd be really interested in this Facebook page um, called Geek Therapy Community. So she's like, you need to join it. You need to be um, following them. And uh, I think that it's something that could be very beneficial to you. So before I even got a chance to look it up, she had already sent me an invite from it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Melissa, I'm joining. <laughs> um, and so from there, I actually got tons of ideas because the, the people on there are constantly posting, hey, I had this thought about incorporating Minecraft into therapy. What do you guys think about it? Or... I'm really stuck on how to incorporate Among Us into therapy because all of my clients are talking about it. Um, do you, you guys have any ideas? And so because of the collaborative nature of it, there's it's so ongoing and there's so much out there to kind of learn from. Um, so I kind of just looked through what they all had um, written down and I was like, boy, I really... I want to include this into my therapy. How do I do this? And I was like, I mean, I guess I could just talk to people about video games. So I kind of did that, just like asking them what they're interested in. And then I was like, okay, well, that's not exactly incorporating it. I'm just having them talk to me about it. Mm. <laughs> um, and so then I, I started thinking about, um, well, if I'm looking at it through the character mindset, then I'm trying to define who these people are as characters and then having them define other characters. And I'm like, who would be these other characters that they would have to define? And so then, like, I had a conversation with my husband about D&D and the following morning, I was in the shower, and I, this is a little personal, I was in the shower, and <laughs> I was like, oh my God, the character sheet, like, duh, like, that's how you get them into the characters, is by having them create their own character sheet, and then having them create character sheets for all of the problems that they're having. Um, and then I was like, later on, after kind of expanding this thought that I had um, was, okay, so now you can do that for all of these other mediums too, comic book characters, video game characters. Um, so it was really just like having this duh epiphany moment where I was like, yeah, a character sheet. And now let's do it for everything that you could possibly imagine. So mm. for themselves, for 
So that like my one worksheet that I actually kind of created off of the D&D, I call it inner demons and warriors. And the inner demons are all the issues you're coming to therapy with. So depression, grief, uh, anxiety, trauma, looking at all of those with different characters. Um, but the warriors are just as important. So these are the people that help you, which might be happiness. It might be a parent. It might be the therapist. Because <laughs> people always forget that. And I'm like, hey, do I belong in there at all? <laughs> Not that I want to be necessarily in your story if you don't think I am, but as a postmodern therapist, I know I'm not an objective party. I'm a part of this. So I, I do tend to ask them, hey, do you want to not include me? <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm a big part of how this change is happening. <laughs> that sounds so cool to incorporate it that way. It feels like in a language that they can understand and you can meet them at. Yeah, yeah. And I actually use this even with people who don't necessarily consider themselves nerds. Um, because like I had one woman, probably like early 30s, who was having a really hard time describing to me like what anxiety, how it felt, what it was for her. And so I brought out my character worksheet thing, which is very similar to uh, the D and D character five edition or the D and D fifth edition character sheet, and so I brought that out. It's just super basic; it's not as elaborate as that, uh, but it is similar in concept. And I brought it out, and I was like, "Okay, so I want you to look at anxiety. What are you going to name it?" And she's like. I think we can just stick to anxiety. I was like, okay, so we're, we're giving it the name anxiety. Great. Great for start. I was like, okay, so now I want you to just describe what kind of weaknesses, what kind of strengths does anxiety have? And these aren't you having the strengths against anxiety. It's what does anxiety have against you? That's their strength. And um, she was like, well... I I noticed that it definitely comes whenever I'm going to be like running late for something or if somebody else is like causing me to be late to something like that bothers me so much. And I was like, okay, so one of its strengths is timeliness. Perfect. Okay, so how do you combat that? Because <laughs> that's going to be a weakness. And so she's like, okay, well, I can tell the people in my life when we have to meet, but make sure like it's an hour before we actually have to meet <laughs> because it takes them about an hour initially to get somewhere. Um, and I was like, okay, so now you've already defeated that one strength. But as we go into some of the other character parts, one of them is like drawing a description of it. And so as she was kind of contemplating like what this thing would look like, she was like, you know what it kind of feels like? It kind of feels like it's constricting all of my insides. And I said, okay, so what animal? And I just kind of threw it out. It was like, what animal constricts? And she's like, a snake. And I was like, okay, so anxiety is a snake for you. And she's like, oh my God, that's perfect. 
She's like, it's like an invisible snake that enters my mouth, goes down my throat, and just wraps itself around my organs and squeezes as hard as it possibly can. And I was like, well, great. Now we have a visual. So how do we get that snake not to be invisible? Because <laughs> obviously some of its magic is it's got this invisibility shield. <laughs> yeah, that's such a cool way to help somebody get to those places that will ask kind of the generic questions of, you know, what does it look like? What does it feel like? But it sounds like using this piece of geek therapy and particularly kind of that form that you talked about for Dungeons and Dragons, it sounds like it's really can help guide that in a way other than just come up with your imagination right now and tell me what this looks like. Yes. And if I intend to do any of this, if I intend to do geek therapy with a D&D lens, I actually bring in some of my monster manuals and stuff so that if it is difficult to consider what you want to do, you have options. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So that also helps because I, I did have a kiddo one time say, you know, I'm not entirely sure how I feel like the, what was it that he had? He had like four or five different things that we were doing. But anyways, one of them was, uh, it felt like a trickster. So he used uh, the idea of a mimic for it. So a mimic in D&D is this thing that looks super ordinary. It might be a cabinet. It might be like a coffee pot, but it's actually a monster with teeth and it's going to eat you. <laughs> so uh, his representation of this mimic was this very ordinary piece. I think he actually just you colored, colored in what a mimic actually looks like, which is a treasure chest. Uh, but the idea was that it was this ordinary thing that shouldn't bother him, but it bothered him severely. Um, and so that that's how he kind of used Mimic, but it was like, he wasn't sure until he started thumbing through the books and he's like, oh yeah, that's pretty Mimic. Oh, that's exactly what this is. Very cool. Is there anything that clients find it really difficult uh, to connect with in, in terms of this sort of form of therapy? Or is part of what's so cool about it is that it's part of the culture so much that it's more easily accessible? I think it's more of the latter is I've never really had too many people be like, I don't get it. Like they'll, they're either mm. fully invested or they're kind of like they're doing it, but they're not inquire, entirely sure at the moment how it's going to relate. So the character yeah. sheet is the first step that I tend to do, whether it's thinking of the character in terms of video games, thinking of the character in terms of D&D with an actual sheet, or thinking of it as like a comic book, et cetera. But then there's the main part, which is the battle. In all of these forms, you've got the battle. So now this is where like, so going off that character sheet idea with D&D is you've got your warriors of perhaps hope, yourself, um, maybe a friend, and you've got your enemies of anxiety, panic, like panic attacks, um, and then what exactly ends up happening. So that anxiety wins. And then I might ask too, okay, so now what happens? What would you have to amend in that scene in order for you to win or for one of your warriors to win? Um, so I had a client one time there, they had a worry cloud and um, it was 
this white puffy cumulus cloud that would turn black. That was the worry cloud. So it would come in looking all normal and then it would darken and everything would be terrible. And then they had a rogue who is a stealthy character in D&D. So they had the anxiety, the rogue. And so anxiety and worry work together. So worry cloud um, would notice that anxiety was getting ready to sneak up on the person. And so the worry cloud would shield anxiety after anxiety stabbed the person in the back because all the anxiety was pent up in the shoulder area. So it was like knives. And so they would get pierced with these daggers and then they would the rogue would disappear in the word cloud. So my anxiety came, it was immediately followed by worry, and now I'm in this state of spiraling down. So that was kind of how that scene went for the worry cloud and anxiety winning. And so like the how we kind of talked in for that particular person was, okay, so you know that anxiety likes to sneak up from behind you. So how do you get those, how do you hear that self? How do you get those steps so that you understand what's leading up to that anxiety happening? Then a lot of um, their homework was noticing when anxiety was getting ready to strike, what was happening before then, and in trying to piece together how they could get a hold of anxiety before anxiety got hold of them. And then it sounds like those are the kinds of places where you would help with the quote unquote more traditional therapy things of using coping skills or using other things that we would maybe teach somebody, but it's in a way that it, you know, it feels like maybe they're they're leveling up and learning a new skill and they can kind of think of it that way. Exactly. And leveling up is actually one of the things that I incorporate in the character sheet. I have a level circle. So you, it's my way, too, of noticing that progress and that they get to notice that progress. So the anxiety starts out at a level 10. But then as we're going through therapy, now all of a sudden it feels like level 5. But I feel like level 13. But when I started, I was level 2. And so you get to see how it's. Um, how they're overcoming the different inner demons (laughs) that they're battling against. That's so cool. It puts it kind of in a really, I think, accessible lens, particularly, like you said, for people who already kind of ascribe to those cultures. It's really putting it directly in a way that they can wrap their head around it without the therapeutic jargon, I think, that can sometimes interfere. Absolutely. I even had a client one time say, you know what? I think I need to bring figurines in in order to demonstrate this battle because this paper isn't quite doing it. <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, whatever you got to do. <laughs> but yeah, so some people get super into it and that's always fun and delightful. <laughs> but for those that don't, I don't push it on them. You know, if, if, if geek therapy is something that they just really can't get into, and I've had it happen a few times, um, then we move on and we do other stuff. So I don't, I don't force this. This is just another toolbox item. 
I'm curious. I think one of the things that comes to my mind is, so you get a client in your office who, you know, identifies, maybe self-identifies and labels as a geek or a nerd or has a particular culture or interest or hobby that would be conducive to this. Is this something that would be accessible for a therapist who maybe doesn't have that in their personal life? Can they utilize aspects of geek therapy with the client who may have that interest? Or is it more difficult if you're not as a therapist to have those shared interests? Um, I heard back from different therapists after my presentation that I had done uh, saying that they did implement it and had great results, even though they themselves were older and didn't really know, but they started to learn how to ask questions. I think that was the biggest thing that they found is how do you modify your questions so that you're interjecting their world into how you view therapy. Hmm. I can see why the collaborative people really liked that. that part. Right. Yeah. It sounds like you maybe couldn't get into the same detail that maybe you get into, but somebody who um, maybe doesn't have the interest themselves could still facilitate using that kind of mindset of the client to help the client access something, even if they don't, can't get there themselves or don't understand it to the degree that the client does. Absolutely. And honestly, you're going to learn so much from the client that you didn't realize you didn't know. (laughs) And that expands your knowledge. (laughs) So you definitely, it's a give and take learning experience when you're doing this. But that's, again, why I said it's it's a little easier to combine and integrate geek therapy into postmodernism because you're looking at how I may be the person who is the expert in therapy, but you're the person who's the expert in your own life. And so we can learn from each other in how to get you into the place that you want to be. And um, I, so I think that if you're coming from that lens, even if you don't really know as a therapist what geek therapy is, you can incorporate it if you're still coming from the lens of, okay, well, how does that avatar, I'm trying to think of what somebody might say if they've never had any uh, experience with the geek world. So tell me about why you chose that particular character instead of a different one. I mean, that's like the very basicest of questions that you could ask. (laughs) And just in that, you're going to learn so much. It's interesting too, I think, this highlights some of the importance that we've talked about of the self of the therapist and like what you bring to the table that might be something that's useful to your clients, right? Like there's something about... Like, Amanda, you're describing these qualities about you and your interests that you found a way to kind of co-opt into being something that's really helpful for clients, even though it sounds like it started from some interest that you had about this subject matter in general. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of going to your job if you don't enjoy it? (laughs) So I get to talk about video games and D&D with my clients, like, course well I wouldn't I but at the same time like yeah we're talking about it in relation to your trauma and it becomes actually I think more accessible because you know when you're talking about harder topics like trauma I mean it can it can really bog people down and make them shut down 
And so now we're adding a little bit of flair to that. Like, tell me how your your trauma character looks. You know, how evil are they? What kind of magic do they have? Suddenly it's not quite as daunting. All of this comes to my mind in thinking, this seems really applicable even outside of what would be considered geek or nerd, right? Like, I think somebody who's really interested in sports could utilize this. Somebody who's really interested in movies, and movies may cross into kind of that same nerd geek culture. But I think about sometimes I'll work with clients on, do they have a favorite movie or do they have music or a musician or an artist and kind of talking about using those kinds of things to help describe and help connect those points and maybe distance it a little bit from themselves. If they can can identify it as something other, maybe it's a little bit easier to talk about than the trauma that is really feels very attached. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it as like, okay, so I used to have a lot of clients that um, when I was in Green Bay that really uh, loved wrestling. And with the Rush Center there, like, you know, wrestling does come to <laughs> Green Bay quite a bit more, especially WWE. Yeah, WWE now. Uh, and so, like, think about it from that perspective. So you have a wrestler who comes out and has entrance music. There's always a good guy. There's always a bad guy. I mean, you can easily have each of these different wrestlers that they create these different emotions that they're going through for themselves and how they see themselves internally versus externally. Because I might externally look really weak and scrawny, but like inside, I'm built and <laughs> I can smash things. <laughs> I mean, like one of the things that I always tell clients is logic and emotion are two different hemispheres in your brain. And sometimes they need help being able to communicate with one another. So we don't always have to use logic to convey what it is that we're going through. And that's kind of where some of that drawing the art, thinking of it as another being outside of you, it allows that creativity to, to happen that isn't necessarily emotion logic or it isn't a logic driven it's more emotion driven so amanda if somebody is interested in kind of learning more about this you had mentioned there's a facebook page but what other resources would you suggest for someone who wants to kind of look into putting this into their toolbox so yeah that Geek Therapy Community on Facebook is super helpful because there are actually people on there that have written books, um, have created manuals for how to do some of this stuff in the therapy realm, and then they post it on there, and then you can buy it. Because <laughs> um, there isn't really like a central location for how you get this material, except honestly through, through them and just going through their posts. Or saying, hey, I was aware that there was something that could be purchased. Could you guys give me that information again? So I think that's kind of, it's it's hard to say how do you get into it because there's so much demonizing of especially video games. Um, I think a bit of that is starting to come around. We're starting to see different social, pro-social benefits to video games. But there's a long history of it being addictive isolating, um, that it makes you more violent, 
And some of these things can be true, but there are also many ways in which there are certain other aspects that help make that not a thing. So for instance, if you're placing a console in a living room versus a kid's bedroom, well, by automatic default of where the console is located, you're creating more pro-social versus isolation benefits. I, I think that there are a lot of things that people don't always consider asking about or looking at how you can get um, these different mediums into a positive area where we're very quick as a culture to find all the negatives. I mean, like, you know, comic books are not free from being described as evil ruinings of the American family value system. <laughs> and video games certainly aren't either. Um, so I think we're always quick to, to draw on that, but it, it, it's kind of a more like you have to want to see positives and you have to want to define how that can be. And I think if you're willing to do that, then this approach can definitely work. But you just gotta explore. I mean, it's really hard to find stuff out there um, if you're not willing to kind of explore because there's no like database for everything you've been. And it sounds like some a little bit of work for you as the therapist of similar to what we do if we're going to have any self-disclosure, right? Why am I bringing this in? What is the purpose of this statement or what is the purpose of this? You know, am I just bringing it in because I want to talk about it or, you know, making sure that there's a therapeutic purpose instead of just, you know, this is for me and I want to talk about it because it's what's on my mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's always about the client. Are there, I guess, Amanda, are there any questions that you think would be useful for us to ask you that we haven't, that we could ask you and would add clarity? Hmm. I, I'm not sure that there's anything else that I can think of that would be to ask me. I, I think it's just, you know, if people are going to be integrating any kind of theories together, they have to decide Am I just taking mishmash ideas and putting them into together, or am I actually going with a theory mindset and then trying to incorporate elements that make sense and go together? And if you're just throwing mishmash together, you're going to get poop. I mean, so we really have to, and that's one of the reasons why I say, like, even though I'm integrative, my main go-to is narrative therapy. And then everything else that I use from other theories are because it's to expand or enhance what I'm attempting to do through narrative therapy, whether it's learn more about their meanings of the world or their meanings of themselves or how they're trying to create that alternative storyline. Like if I'm if I'm going from that purpose, it makes sense why I would interject all of these other elements. But if I'm just saying, I think today would be really great to just work on some D&D stuff. Like, it, it, there's no purpose. There's no moving forward. And um, and then everything lacks. Like, every, your clients are going to know that you have no purpose. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. So, Amanda, if anyone uh, is looking for information or resources or reaching out to you, what do you suggest? I do not mind if people want to reach out to me. My professional, personal email is 
Amanda Anderson at omftc.com. So if anybody ever wants to ask anything, I'm totally open for that. I have done tons of student interviews, um, mostly on what it is to be a therapist and MFT specifically. <laughs> uh, but I don't want them asking questions because that's how people learn. I have a, let's see, what was that edition? I think September, October edition of the Family Therapy Magazine. I give a very basic overview of what geek therapy is and how I integrate that with uh, narrative family therapy. And there is, so Dr. Bean actually wrote a book um, which talks about that um, Jungian, kind of bringing it into the Jungian perspective. And it is called Working with Video Games and Games and Therapy. So I would recommend that to people. Um, if they want to learn a little bit more on the gaming side versus I did a lot of talking today on the D&D side. And then also, if you want to reach out to me through my organization, I am the chair of the Wisconsin Association for Marriage and Family Therapy. So you can reach out to us at Wisconsin, Wisconsin at aamft.org. That is our email. So all different ways to kind of reach me and talk to me if you are a therapist or if you're just wanting to chit chat as to um how to get games started <laughs> i have a DD night myself with uh, some friends so i i love i love that nerd culture part <laughs> amanda thank you so much for talking to us today and sharing your knowledge and kind of experience with using geek culture and therapy and using geek therapy integrated with narrative therapy. It's been really interesting to learn how those aspects can be super relevant to the therapy experience. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, absolutely. This is fun.